God has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. We are dedicated to letting the truth of God's word lead us. You are listening to One Truth Ministries podcast. Here is your host, Ashley Posey. Hello, welcome back. This is Ashley Posey. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to get to jump into God's Word with you. I'm just so thrilled about it. God says He gets no greater joy than to see that His children are walking in the truth. And this year, we are all about the truth of who our God is. We want to know our God. Jesus tells us this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And of course, Jesus, whom He has sent, that's eternal life. We want to know who our God is, amen, who He is, what He's like, how we can relate to Him. That's what this year is all about as we walk our way through the attributes of our God according to His Word, according to His Word, not what we are coming up with, but who He has declared Himself and revealed Himself to be through His Word. And so we're so thrilled about that. Right now, we're going through the first half of our uh, year together, which we are discussing the incommunicable attributes of God. That means those attributes of God that belong to Him and Him alone that He does not share with us. And I just want to jump right into it. You know, it's so funny to me. If anybody has ever raised children or babysat children, or maybe you have grandkids, or you can remember what this was like, but man, we face a battle sometimes uh, when we engage children. And it's so funny because I know it doesn't just stop there, but the battle I'm talking about is this battle of wills. Has anybody been there before? I mean, this battle of wills where, you know, I I was with a a two-year-old not too long ago, and it was so hysterical to me because right away you could tell uh, within her being, I am going to do what I will to do and there's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, I'm going to do what I want to do. And so it's this thing of like, oh, no, 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 you know, you can't, you don't, don't, you know, put your finger over there. It's going to get hurt. That'll burn you. You know, that's a heater. Stay away. I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And so there's this like battle of the wills that takes place, you know, with little kids, but it doesn't stop there. We face it with teenagers, except for at that point, they kind of add more to it. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm definitely not going to do what you want me to do. And so you get this same battle of wills. Like, regardless, I'm going to do what I want, but I'm certainly not going to do what you want me to do. But it doesn't just stop there. Don't think because you're an adult, you are free from this battle where you want to do what you will to do. Because even as adults, we go, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And who are you to tell me any differently? I mean, that's when we get our real attitude as as an adult. And if you think about this, we wage war with God all the time. I mean, this is what happens even in our adulthood. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Like, who are you to tell me to do things differently. You know, it made me think about this so much. Have you ever thought of this? We are good with God being anywhere in this world except on His throne. I'm going to say that again because I want us to think about this today. We are good with God being anywhere except on His throne. Think about it. We are great in America, especially. Let's just think about our nation. We are great with God being on the field and in the stands of football games. We're great, you know, in that way. And you're going to see people kneel, players kneel, you know, on the field. We're, we're great if God is for our team, you know, in the field or in the stands of games. We're great with God being involved in our businesses if it's to increase us financially. 
holy. We are great with Him being at the bedside of loved ones who are in the hospital. I have found that so many are very open to me praying with them in that setting. We are desiring of God being with us when we're facing trials or life and death uh, situations or on the battlefield. But the moment someone places God on his throne, people get angry, agitated. They don't want God anywhere near them. You know, if we preach God on his throne, all of a sudden what we find out is seats suddenly empty out in churches and friends become scarce. And this happens because there is a dividing line between God just being our Savior and God being our Lord, our Master, the King of our life. It is absolutely true, and please don't hear me wrong on this. It's absolutely true that God is our Savior, that Christ died to save us. But it seems like humanity would be okay with that. I find people are more accepting of God when we talk about Him in that manner. You know, it's, it's interesting. We're so used to superheroes that it almost seems sometimes like we think of God in that way, that He just kind of swooped down to this little earth to save us and then swooped off again. You know, you can sometimes come to look at God as just our fr- friendly neighborhood Jesus. You know, I want you to think about that because it struck me the other day is so true. We just picture God as swooping in and swooping out. You know, He comes in to save us and off He goes. He's our friendly neighborhood Jesus, as if He is like so many other superheroes, but you have you ever noticed that there's really no risk in accepting God in just that way? I mean, who would think to fight against someone who is saving them? I mean, there's there's no accountability in that. You simply thank them for their services and let them, you know, be on their way, you on your way. We acknowledge at one point that, you know, he saved us. What a great guy. And then we carry on with our lives with not much thought to him after that. I mean, for some, you know, they they may carry it a bit further. Maybe they start to wear t-shirts or bracelets and, you know, that show that they are fans of their savior and their hero. But day-to-day life is carried on in much the same way, sadly. I mean, without any need for actual change. But you see, it wasn't just to be our savior that God came. He came, and hear me please, to be our Lord and our King. You see, humanity is often okay with God being Savior, but there is great revolt when God is on His throne. When He is on His throne. The attribute that we're going to be discussing and meditating on this week and actually next week is the sovereignty of God. And I want to give us a simple definition of sovereignty just to start us out with right away. A sovereignty is authority or right to rule the authority or the right to rule. It means exercising ultimate authority over an area and its people. In other words, as I said earlier, God is on his throne as ruler over all. He is in charge. He is in control. He is king. He is sovereign. He is subject to none. He is governed by none. He is absolutely independent of all. He is absolutely in authority over all. He has unlimited freedom to do as he wills. And I want us to stop right there and understand this one part. 
It is not very accurate to say that God can do anything. And before you start throwing stones, I want you to listen. It's not accurate, actually, to say God can do anything. It is far better and much much more theologically sound to say that God can do anything He wills to do. The sovereignty of God and the will of God are tied together. They're tied together. God is free to do anything that He has willed to do. For instance, God cannot lie because He does not will to lie. God is truth, and He can never deny Himself. God can never violate His nature and His character because He does not will to do so. This is why, according to 2 Timothy 2.13, even if we are faithless, God will remain faithful because God cannot deny Himself. It's careless to say God can do anything. It's far more biblical to say that God can do anything He wills to do. And with all that being said, I'm going to add to this definition then, the sovereignty of God means the authority and right of God to do anything He wills to do. It is God on His throne. And I want you to hear straight from the Lord Himself, from the Word of God, what He has to say about His own sovereignty. So I'm just going to give you a few of these. I want you to be able to hear them and hear, um, like always, straight from God's Word. Psalm 115, verse 3, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and God does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him, what have you done? Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will accomplish all my purpose. Proverbs 21.1 will continue. It is the king's heart. Oh, I love this. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and God will turn it wherever he will. Did you hear that? Even a king, the king's heart is like a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and God will turn that stream wherever he will. Psalm 135, verse 6, Whatever the Lord pleases, that he does, in heaven and on earth, in the sea and in all the deep. Ephesians 1.11, He works all things after the counsel of His own will. God is sovereign. He is in control. He will do what He wills to do. Proverbs 19.21, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Romans 8.28, We know that for all those who love God, all things will work together for good for those who are called according to His Purpose. I hope we hear the end of that one, who are called according to His purpose. Psalm 103, verse 19, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Proverbs 16, 33, The lot is cast into the lap, but even the lot that was cast, they're speaking in Old Testament terms here, how they would sometimes determine the will of God. They would do something called casting lots. And it says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision, even that decision, it says, is from the Lord, is from the Lord. 
just a few more. I just want you to hear. I mean, there's so many. This is just a smattering of what Scripture has to say about the sovereignty of God. But Romans 9.18 says, So then God will have mercy on whomever He wills, and He will harden the heart of whomever He wills. He is sovereign. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Proverbs 16.9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Genesis 50 verse 20, I love this regarding Joseph. Everything that you meant, all the evil you meant against me, Joseph said, God meant it for good. And he used it to bring about the fact that many people would be kept alive as they are today. Everything Joseph's brothers had intended for bad could not stop the sovereignty of God, and God in turn used it for good to bring about the life-saving measures of so many people. Job 23, 13, but God stands alone. Who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. I hope we're starting to get the point here. The sovereignty of God is God is on his throne, nobody else. God alone is on the throne, and he will do what he wills to do. 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. You know, this this is a verse I want us to focus on for just a moment, because from the end of this verse, you're going to pick up two distinct uh, attributes, two distinct characteristics of God. The first is yours is the kingdom. And the last thing it says, and you are exalted as head above all. I want us to pick those two things out because this points us to both the sovereignty of God and the supremacy of God, distinct yet tied together so tightly. And so we're going to look at the sovereignty of God in these two weeks, and then we're going to take a look at the supremacy of God in the next two weeks after that. Because just like this verse says, both are accurate. Yours is the kingdom. God is sovereign, but you are also exalted as head above all. That means He is supreme. He is supreme. So I wanted just to give you that heads up so that you're going to know how very closely related these two things are. If something seems like it's not covered in our two weeks of talking about God's sovereignty, just know that it most likely will be covered when we start talking about God's supremacy. Because remember, we are dividing these up even though um, they are all God all the time, always. But I hope, though, uh, that, that through these passages, we're picking up one thing right here. God has the authority and God will do what he wills to do. Nothing will happen outside of his will and all things will happen according to his plan. God alone is on his throne. God is absolutely free. No one can stop him. No one can hinder him. No one can withstand him, compel him, or change him. God does what he pleases, only what he pleases, and always what he pleases. I hope somebody on the other side is saying, amen, amen. We need to know this truth. God does what he pleases, only what he pleases and always what He pleases. And we need to remember that as we go about life, especially with how crazy life is right now. If there's ever been a time where we need to know, believe, and rely on the sovereignty of our God, that He alone is in control. We're going to get further into that next week, but I just want you to understand it. Think about again that story of Joseph. 
Think about it. Joseph's brothers, oh, they thought they were in control. They thought they could determine the trajectory of Joseph's life. And they made these evil plans against him. We're going we're to throw him down a pit first. And so first that thought is maybe we'll just let him die in that pit until somebody chose to have mercy on him. But that mercy itself was even twisted. It was not God's kind of mercy. Because then they decide to, they decide to sell him as a slave off to some traders who are going to end up going to Egypt. And so they think we're getting rid of him. He's going to suffer. He's going to be a slave his whole life. And they think... They think they are in control. They think that they have absolute say in what is going to happen. But I hope we know the end of that story. You see, every time the enemy came against Joseph, thinking he could destroy him, thinking he could bring him down, break his trust in God, God's sovereignty won out every time. Just like we were hearing and seeing in all of those many scriptures, God will always do what he pleases to do and nobody can stop him. Just like Job said, that he can do all things and no purpose of God's will be thwarted. No purpose of God will be thwarted. He will do all that he pleases. He will accomplish all of his purposes. That all of his counsel, all of his will will be what stands. And I love that his kingdom rules overall. Every decision is in the hands of God. And so here you have Joseph's brothers thinking they could control Joseph's outcome of his life. You think about uh, Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, who they also thought they were in control. They thought they were in charge. And by throwing him in prison, you know, that's where he'll stay until he dies. And yet God was always in control. Every moment of Joseph's life, God used for his good and for God's glory. He used it, and he had a plan, and that plan actually was to give Joseph uh, Joseph a hope and a future. It was to preserve the nation that would be Israel, and we remember what God did. He raised Joseph up to the level where he was second in command only under Pharaoh. He ruled Egypt He ruled Egypt. That's the sovereignty of our God who says, my will will be accomplished no matter what humans think they can do. Nothing is outside of the plans of God. Somebody needs to remember this today. Somebody needs to know this today. Man does not decide the plans of this world. Only one does, God Almighty, and His plans will come to fruition. They will just like they did with Joseph. And of course, Jacob, his father, who would become Israel, he and his entire family was saved through Joseph, the one that they had thrown away, the one that they thought they were taking care of. That same one ended up taking care of them. Isn't that amazing? The sovereignty of our God. Think about the story of Jonah. That's another one. Man, Jonah, I don't know about him. He he thought he could actually decide the plans of God for him. He didn't like what God was asking him to do. He, he didn't like the thought of God, you know, having him go to Nineveh. And he even tells us why. He says, because I know you, God, and these people, if they repent, you are a God of mercy and you are going to have mercy on them. You're going to actually forgive them. Joseph hated that. He did not want the people of Nineveh to be forgiven. He didn't want that. And so he decides, I'm going to run away. And then there, God, your plan is thwarted. Uh, You won't get to do what it is you wanted to do. All I need to do is run away. And he actually thought that was going to stop God. I mean, from our way of looking at it now, can you believe that? I mean, when you think about it, yet how many of us run 
from the truth of God. We run from what He has told us to do. We, we uh, fail to be obedient to God, thinking somehow we will change the course for our own life, thinking somehow that what we have planned, that will come into being if we just make our own decisions. We can run from God, disobey God, and it will be the way we want it to be. Jonah was thinking this, and we, of course, know exactly what happened to Jonah. God allowed there to be such a storm that Jonah had to be thrown overboard just in order for the people to survive. Once he was thrown overboard, God caused a huge fish to swallow him up, and Jonah stayed there for three days until and three nights until he was ready to come to the place of saying, God, forgive me, you are sovereign. You are in control, and if you want me to go to Nineveh, I'm going to Nineveh. You see, we may think all the time that we control the outcome, but we have to remember God alone is on His throne, and He will do what He wills to do. I want to tell you something. God's sovereignty, and please hear me on this because we're going to dive further into it next week, and I encourage you to come back, uh, jump on your podcast, listen, click it, hear what's going on next week. It'll be important, but hear this today. God's sovereignty will be what gives believers the most assurance, the most security, and the most peace in this life. I hope you're hearing this. It is God's sovereignty that will give us believers the most assurance, the most security, the most peace in this life. If we believe this attribute about God to be true, if that's something that we actually believe, then we should be the most restful and peaceful and bold people in this dark and sinful world. However, for those who do not truly believe, it will be this very attribute that will cause the greatest unrest, the greatest unease, the greatest frustration in this life. This will be the rub and deciding factor for every human facing the decision to put their trust in Christ as Lord or not. It is the doctrine of the sovereignty of God that is hated by the people of this world. It's the very thing that will make many turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to God himself. You see, God has laid out salvation very plainly. Even in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, it makes it very clear. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is what? I hope some of you are saying it right now that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But you see many, many, many times in the New Testament, it will tell us over and over again in scripture, if anyone will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. In fact, it's going to be the defining moment for Thomas's life. We remember Thomas, one of Jesus's disciples, often called Doubting Thomas, he was the one who doubted when he saw with his own eyes and felt with his own hands the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. Thomas will join the ranks of the saints with one declaration. He declares, he cries out, my Lord and my God. It was this word, Lord. It is that word that we are to declare about our God and our Savior, that we are to call upon. And this word, Lord, it means this, supreme in authority, controller, master. That's what Lord means, supreme in authority, controller, master. This is why the world hates the sovereignty of God. They don't want anyone else to be in authority over them. Remember, we're in a huge battle of wills. 
We don't want anybody to control our lives, be master over our lives. We are our own master, right? So we balk at the very idea that another's will would be in charge of our own. In fact, I mean, if you think about it, it's that very reason of why our nation was formed. You know, we, we had to speak out against it. I'm not saying that anything was wrong with becoming our own nation, but just think about how we became our own country. Well, we had to tell England, oh no, you won't tell us what to do. We will do what we want to do and we will have our own nation. And so we fought for the freedom of our will to be done. We would go on to fight even against each other as a nation in the Civil War because of two opposing wills. You see, we vote for what we want. That's how our economy, our country works, our politics work. We will vote for what we want. And when we're tired of that and we don't even want those people anymore in office, we're going to vote somebody else in. We don't like a law, so we're going to fight to change it until it matches our desires and our wills. You know, we're the land, honestly, America is the land of protest, demanding our wills to be done. No wonder we kick and we scream and we battle and go to such ridiculous lengths to rebel against the sovereignty of God. You see, God on his throne is not the God the world wants in their lives. God on his throne is not the God the world wants in their lives, but it is this God believers will love the most. And I am going to send us into that thought, uh, leaving us with this so we can jump off of this next week. But like I said, God on his throne should be absolute security for the children of God. It should be absolute security. It's true, this world does not even want to think about God on his throne. We don't want to call God Lord because that's calling him supreme in authority over me. It's saying, God, you are controller of my life. You are master of my life. But you see, as a believer, if we truly believe this, if Christ is our Lord, then like I said, that should be the absolute security for the children of God. That should be what gives us the most assurance, where we feel the most safe. God alone on his throne. No one can stop the will of God and only the will of God will be accomplished. Amen. What an amazing thing, the sovereignty of God. And we're just getting started. Next week, we're going to jump full force into this, uh, wrapping up our discussion on the sovereignty of God. I'm going to encourage you, come back. Make sure you're catching the end of this because there's so much more to talk about when we're, when we're speaking of the sovereignty of our God. But I want to encourage you with one thing. If you do not know our website, onetruth-ministries.com, I'm going to encourage you this week to check it out. Go to onetruth-ministries.com. You're going to find a resource page on there. We highly encourage those who are a part of our study this year to continue to further their own study. You're going to find homework. You're going to find uh, questions, discussion questions. You can do it as a group, a Bible study group. Uh, You can do it as husbands husband and wife or friends, a family that's gathering together. But I really want to encourage you to go to our resource page on onetruth-ministries.com. So excited for you to check that out um, and to go further and even deeper into your study this year on the attributes of God. We're so thankful that you joined us. I'm going to pray for us in a moment, but I do want to thank you for that. I want to encourage you to go there, check that out. Uh, Make sure you spread the word um, and let people know where they can find those resources. What a blessing it is to know 
the sovereignty of our God. Would you all pray together with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne. And in times of disarray in our country, in times where fear comes in, in times where we are nervous about elections and in the future of our country, may we rest assured knowing that we are in the hands of the sovereign God. Nothing can happen outside of your will and nothing can happen except your will. God, you will determine how far people can go and when they must stop. You set up boundaries for everything and everyone. All things will happen according to your will. God, for your glory alone, you are in charge. And God, we thank you for that. We rest in that. We praise your name for that. And so, God, together today, we declare that you are God alone and you are on your throne, that you and you alone will do what you will to do. And for that, we praise you and we thank you. I pray, God, that we would take this, we would apply it even to our lives. God, help us to stop fighting you, stop fighting against your will, God, but that we would surrender to your sovereignty, that we would rest assured in your sovereignty. Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.